Let's do that hockey. Alright, welcome everybody to episode number 79 of the Dauber Prospects Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Harling. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up on this episode, I'll be talking about a couple of live games that I went to in the last little bit since the World Juniors. Uh, an AHL game featuring Utica Comets here in Belleville. And I also had a chance to take in the top prospect game last night in Hamilton. And uh, so I'll be talking about those two games, but before I dive too far into that, I'll remind you that uh, visit any of the Dauber sites, the Dauber Hockey or Dauber Prospects, and you'll be able to find in the shop the mid-season fantasy guide. This is a really great tool. It's a rather lengthy guide like the, the one that comes out at the beginning of the year that everyone uses for their fantasy draft, but it of course is geared towards the second half. It has predictions for the remainder of the season. It has prospects who are on the brink and uh, it has a lot of other uh, exceptionally useful information that you might be looking for. Uh, if you're either in a rebuild or going for the going for the glory this season with your roster, it's time to take that look in the mirror and, and ask yourself, what am I what am I doing with my team this year? Do I have a chance to win a regular season or a playoff? And if not or not likely, then uh, do you need to to blow it up or just kind of retool it? Um, this guy has got uh, risers and follows from the the 19 draft who the top 20 fantasy ranked prospects are for the upcoming 2020 draft if you're thinking about you know tanking um it's got some uh a great list of ncaa prospects and players who are coming from or coming back from europe that you might want to look into uh for the off season so a really great guide i highly recommend it check it out uh i'll have a couple of interviews this episode as well at both the games I was at, I had an opportunity to talk to a number of people, and uh, so I'll be posting an interview with uh, Belleville, Ottawa Senators prospect Vitaly Abramov, who you know I love, and I, I get to talk to, or talk about him a lot. Uh, I saw him at the game; uh, he wasn't playing, so I had an opportunity to to have a quick little conversation with him, which. Uh, was fun. And then uh, last night in Hamilton, I watched the game with Russ Cohen, who you know has been a guest on this show a couple times before. You'll recognize him from Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, uh, and Hockey Prospect Writer, NHL.com, Prospect Expert Extraordinaire and all that. He, uh, he and I had a conversation in the intermission of the game, and it's a good one. So let's get into it. Starting off with the Utica-Belleville game. Uh, that is, that was a great game. Uh, the AHL is, is underrated hockey. This was a really fast, high-skilled game. Uh, it featured a lot of really great prospects. Uh, uh, both teams have a really deep prospect pool that, uh, had a lot of players that were worth the price of admission. I got to see Joey Decord starting goal for my first time for Belleville. Uh, he is a, uh, sleeper goalie prospect coming out of Arizona State University, uh, he looked really strong uh, in net. Um, Utica gave him a lot of really good pressure and a lot of good scoring chances. He let in a few goals. They had actually lost the game. But I thought he looked really calm, cool, and poised. Uh, I like that he stayed on his feet more than he spent time on his knees. Um, but at the same time, he had really good lateral movement, uh, sliding from, from one side to the other across uh, on his pads. 
Uh, I thought that he tracked the puck extremely well through traffic, and uh, I liked his rebound control too. Utica let load uh, a bunch of really hard shots, and he just gobbled those up. He was not giving up, you know, big popping rebounds, uh, so that was very impressive. Uh, some other players on, on Utica that, or sorry, on Belleville that I liked, uh, their power play was really crisp. And it goes through two players, Logan Brown and Eric Brandstrom. So Sens fans are going to be really excited to watch these two run the power play in the NHL for the Ottawa Senators in the near future for a long time. Uh, they were making really crisp, clean, quick, hard tape-to-tape passes, you know, bang, 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 back and forth around. Uh, the trigger man on the power play for them is Josh Norris. He's just got a cannon of a shot. He's uh, Ovechkin super light, or he parks himself off to the side of the goal by the, the face-off dot, waiting for one-timers. Uh, after the first period, he had he was set up three times, two of the shots, it was swing and a miss, and then uh, he scored a goal um, on the one-timer on the power play with a shot on the third try. Um, so that trio looked really, really dangerous on the power play. I liked them a lot. Uh, speaking of Logan Brown... Some things that really impressed me that I saw in that game were his um, puck protection skills. He's a big-bodied playmaker. Um, he does a really good job of of Yammer Yager like sticking his ass out and using his long reach to create create quite a bit of distance between um, his forechecking pressure and where the puck is. It was really hard for players to get the puck off of him. Uh, you know, he just faces the boards, sticks his arse out. Uh, and is able to, you know, that gives him the, the moment that he needs to to assess the lay of the land, find an outlet pass or an open lane to skate into or, or whatnot. Um, he moves pretty well for a really big tall guy. Um, yeah, I think he was not fast. Uh, he doesn't have really great breakaway speed, but I thought that he was really quick. Um, so he's really shifty. So he has possession in the offensive zone. His quick shift lateral movement from, from one direction to the other uh, is is very good. And at the AHL level, anyways, it gives him the opportunity to create um, time and space for himself and open up some, some passing lanes. Uh, looking at some players from Utica, uh, Cole Lind is having a really good season. He was not particularly noticeable in this game. Um, he had the puck on a two-on-one breakaway, uh, which ended up kind of into uh, nothing. The play kind of fizzled on his stick, uh, so I didn't like that. Uh, another player that I watched, because uh, I own him in my own fantasy league, is uh, Lucas Jasek, um, number nine. He was kind of soft on the puck, actually. I thought he was easy to knock over, and he didn't seem highly engaged. Uh, not very aggressive. Uh, he's not having a stellar season in the AHL, so uh, I was kind of disappointed as an owner to see how his performance was. Nikolai Goldolbin uh, was Nikolai Goldolbin. He had uh, two goals and missed on the empty net for a shot at the hat trick. Uh, the goals that he scored were, were good goals, very pretty, high-skilled goals. Um, he showed a lot of uh, hand-eye coordination and puck skill ability, uh, controlling the puck and dangling a little bit, and at a couple times it, it resulted in turnovers. He overhandles the puck at times. Um, he was up high on the blue line, and he was trying to, you know, put the puck through the defenseman's legs and pick it up on the other side and whatnot. Uh, too much. It resulted in uh, turnovers. It didn't result in a goal against, fortunately, for for them. 
Um, but you know, it allows the defending team to knock it out of the out of their defensive zone, which forces the rest of the Utica players to regroup and regain the zone um, and that kind of stuff. He also took a, a kind of a bad penalty after he got got caught creating a turnover. He uh, it, he drew a penalty or caused a penalty, um, trying to prevent a, a breakaway the other direction. Uh, another player for Utica, I've been talking about him and writing about him on Dauber Prospects. Um, his fan tracks ownership is super low. It's only 2%, which is way too low. And that is defenseman Brogan Rafferty, number 25 on Utica. He is right up there with leading scorers, not only on the team, but in the league. And he's a defenseman. The uh, Vancouver organization signed him as a free agent. I think he's out of Quinnipiac. Um, after last season. So this is his rookie season as a pro. Um, he is 24 years old. So, you know, he's a little bit older than some of their other defensive prospects. So that needs to be put into perspective. But he was their best player by far in this game. That doesn't necessarily make him their best defenseman prospects, you know, with long-term upside. But he is, I would say, NHL ready now. And he's performed this season um, far greater than than expectations um, so his fan tracks ownership is extremely low considering how great he is um, he's got a really heavy shot he's a very good skater rushes the puck up the ice uh, extremely well with a lot of confidence and authority uh, and effectively gains the zone makes it look makes it look easy um, is able to you know out skate and out position players with edge work and um, and gapping uh he made the odd bad pinch because he's a little aggressive so he will you know be a loose puck and he'll pinch in to get it and every once in a while he doesn't win that race and uh-oh but his skating is so good that uh he's really able to come back and, and cover up quite a bit and even if we he makes a, an outlet pass and then hits the afterburners and, and jumps up in on the rush if they don't gain possession or if you know they don't if they the winger dumps goes for the dump and chase and they don't regain possession uh he's back before there's any any harm or any foul um like i said he's got a really heavy shot um so i think that uh, vancouver wants to look at trading one of their defensemen uh they don't need one back because they have him in the ahl and, and i think he's ready to, to step up and he's earned an opportunity to play in the nhl this season so now, uh, talking about Vitaly Abramov, uh, he's having a fantastic season with Belleville. He was named the AHL Player of the Week, the week ending December 30th, so to end the 2019 year. Uh, he had uh, six points in three games, and unfortunately since then he suffered an injury, which did fortunately allow me the opportunity to interview him in the intermission at the game I went to. And he has since returned. Uh, he's played two games with Belleville on their, their massive road trip that they're currently on. Um, doesn't have any points in two games for them yet. But, uh, you know, uh, he had an upper body injury. It might have been hand-related. Uh, so that might be affecting his ability to shoot or handle the puck. Um, so anyhow, let's uh, let's take a second and have uh, an interview with Belleville Senators prospect Vitaly Abramov. All right, so we're back now on the podcast. I'm at the Belleville Senators Utica Comets game, and I got an opportunity to speak to Vitaly Abramov in the intermission because he's not playing. Vitaly, thanks for joining me on the podcast, man. Uh, thank you. All right. How come you're not playing? Uh, I'm just uh, upper body injured, coming back soon. I hope to have you back soon because, as I've mentioned on the show before, I have you in the pool. 
So, and I love watching you play. You're one of the most exciting players to watch. So, tell me a little bit about how your first NHL experience was. Yeah, I got a couple of call-ups. You scored your first NHL goal. Well, uh, it's been awesome. It's like a dream came true, so I really enjoyed it. Like, uh, working hard here now in, uh, in the NHL. Yep. Hopefully be back there soon, so we'll see. Yeah, I hope so too. It's easier to watch you on, on TV than it is to drive to Bevel <laughs> and follow the team on the road. Um, how, how are you find, which do you find more difficult, making the adjustment from junior hockey to pro in the AHL or making the jump from the AHL up to the NHL? Which one is more difficult for you? Well, like, definitely AHL is a better league than the juniors. It's like different hockey, different style of hockey, so I had to adjust for it. But NHL and AHL, it's a big difference too, so like, I'm on this way and uh, working hard every day and uh, we'll see what happens. So. Are they different in any specific way or is it just like one level higher and then another level higher after that? Or yeah, are there big differences? Yeah, it's like everyone is better, like the next level, everything is faster and like everyone is stronger, so you just need to, like, I don't know, you just need to be stronger, better, like think faster and everything. Yeah. And the, uh, there's a lot more mistakes that happen in junior than I notice in the AHL, and a lot more mistakes in the AHL than I notice in the NHL. So do you find you have a lot less opportunity? Uh, yes, for sure, you have a less opportunity than in juniors, but uh, yeah, you just need to manage the puck well, and uh, when you have that opportunity to, like, uh, to put it in or do something. You're having a really great season this year. Uh, you scored uh, 14 goals, 27 points, 24 games. That's excellent. Do you feel like you're ready to make the next step? Well, I work hard every day, going for practice. And, uh, I work hard again, and uh, we'll see what happens. I just like, I'm a honest guy, and I'm just like working hard. We'll see what happens again. So. Yeah, I mean, it's not your decision to play in the NHL or the AHL, but do you feel like you're ready for the NHL? Well. For sure, like uh, I had the first goal, and um, I'm on the way for sure. And uh, when like the team decides to put me there, I will be ready. So we'll yeah, right on, man. Uh, what do you think? Um, if you made it full time in the NHL next year, what do you think? This is a fantasy hockey pool, so everyone that's listening either owns you or, or wants to have you on their team. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you see as your your upside from a from an offensive production standpoint? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to tell, so like, we'll see. <laughs> That's not a fair question. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks very much. I'll let you get back to Thank the you. game. Thanks for your time, man. All right, cheers. <laughs> so that was a very – I couldn't help myself. I had to ask him that last question. Of what, he, what? How many points can you score me for my fantasy team? When You should have seen the look that he gave me when I asked him that, like, dude, are you kidding? Are you, are you seriously asking me that right now? How do I know? Um, which resulted in my – outburst of laughter uh so that was a quick little chat i had with vitaly Abramov. so moving on now shifting gears back to uh chl and some draft eligible prospects the chl top prospect game went down last night in hamilton and i was there uh watching the game uh with a bunch of other hockey writers uh, had some uh, post-game libation with uh, a number of fellows uh, and a lady. And uh, it was really nice having to chit-chat with them. And it's funny, we were all on kind of the same page with our assessment of uh, some of the players that, that stood out with the people that I spoke to anyways. Uh, Alex Lafreniere uh, looked very good. 
He had a goal that was called back that he scored uh, in the first period that was a really nice goal, great release. Uh, I talk about that with Russ and uh, in the interview that's coming up. Quinn Byfield was a little bit invisible in the game, and this would be my fourth time seeing him live this season and watched him on TV quite a bit and at the World Juniors. He was a little bit underwhelming at the World Juniors, as you all know, and that might be causing some people to be like, yeah, this guy's not shouldn't be considered for first overall the german players the swedish players all look better than him lafreniere and he were miles apart and then you see him play um in this game so if there's an opportunity if you know you don't live in ontario you don't get a lot of opportunity to watch quentin byfield play uh, i understand your concern and i assure you it's misplaced keep in mind he's almost an entire calendar year younger than lafreniere and these are just a couple of small sample sizes of games. Um, you know, he's a little bit streaky. When he's hot, he's hot. Uh, and when he's when he's not, he's not. And I watched him specifically. I isolated watching him a little bit last night when I had chances. Uh, you know, when you see when he comes out for a draw, uh, you can. It's easy to to do that. So I did. And you may not be able to to get that same feature or benefit from watching it on television. And it's not like he played a terrible game. Uh, he just, things just didn't break for him. You know, like passes that were made to him were intercepted, passes that he made to other players. Um, they, you know, they weren't as available as they maybe could have been, things like that. Um, but he was very good uh, defensively. I thought he was very engaged in the game. Uh, he played okay physically. He, you know, took a few hits and gave a few hits, nothing of the earth shattering or eye popping variety. Um, you know, he was just okay. And that's all right, man. That, I mean, that's just fine. This is just one game. And quite frankly, it's an exhibition game. Uh, so some other notes from that game. Team White players that I had uh, circled on my program that I was interested in watching were number 71, Tyson Forster, Barry OHL. Uh, he had a really great game, as you may have heard. Three points. His whole entire line of uh, Ridley Gregg and Connor Zary, I thought were outstanding and the best line in the game. They had some really good scoring opportunities. Um, Connor Zary was was good on draws. Uh, he won every draw that uh, I specifically was paying attention to that he was taking. Uh, and I thought that they made some, some really nice um, hockey IQ offensively gifted plays. Uh, Maverick Bork played uh, on a center line with Alexis Lafreniere. Lafreniere and I thought that they uh, they looked really good together too. Uh, I was impressed with with their chemistry. Cole Perfetti uh, really stood out as well. I thought that he showed some really good hockey IQ. Caden uh, Gooley, I uh, really liked what I saw from him. He's a former first overall pick from uh, his draft year in the dub. He's a six foot two, 186 defenseman. Uh, his older brother, uh, Braden, drafted by Buffalo, I believe he now plays with uh, Anaheim or in the AHL. He's got a nice quick release on his shot. He's a very good skater. Uh, I'd say that is his best asset. He's not the most offensive defenseman in the world. So for fantasy uh, terms he his value might not be quite as high uh, in comparison to where he ends up getting drafted at the NHL draft in Montreal. Um, I didn't like his gap control in a couple of plays defensively. I thought that he left a little bit too much space for uh, the puck carrier who is trying to gain the zone to either gain the zone or um, make a play. Um, but that was just a couple 
small sample size again, like two rushes that he was defending on. I, I saw him directing traffic and he took his guy and I was like, well, are you going to take him or not? Um, Braden Schneider uh, was his defense partner. So they were the top pairing for team white. He's really mobile defenseman and he was really active in the offensive zone, carrying the puck. Uh, he had no problems going from, from one side to the other side, taking it down low, back out the other side, cutting into the middle, creating a net front presence. Um, and his skating was such that he was able to support that and, and get himself out of trouble if he needed to as well. Uh, Brandon Coe, North Bay Battalion, uh, big forward, 6'4", uh, 188. Uh, he had a big hit. Uh, I believe he got in a... No, he didn't get in a fight. But he had, he made a really nice move skating over the uh, the blue line, a little inside out on the defenseman. Uh, it was a really nice move. And then he tried to make a, uh, a centering pass, like cross crease to the other side winger. Uh, but it was, the pass was behind him. So it was like, oh, man, nice play, terrible pass. Uh, for Team Red, I talked about uh, byfields and there wasn't much to see there. Um, Jake Neighbors, I thought, looked really great in front of the net, um, creating a little bit of havoc for a guy that's only 5'11", 195. Uh, but he had a very active stick in front of the net looking for the tip of the deflection goal. Marco Rossi and Jack Quinn played together. They're OHL Ottawa 67 teammates, so they had some chemistry as they're familiar with each other already. And uh, I, I've seen them play a couple times now. And Marco Rossi is, is fantastic. He is really good without the puck. Uh, he knows how to support the puck, um, create space for while they're you know in the offensive zone, working the cycle. He knows how to create space for the player with the puck, uh, makes himself available as a net front presence. And then when he gets the puck, he's even better. His puck possession is incredible. He's holds onto the puck for um, a very long time. It's it's. It's difficult for teams to get the, the puck off of him. And he's uh, he's only 5'9", 183, but he is not afraid to drive the puck to the front of the net or hang out in front of the net um, or try and dig in the puck out in the corner as well uh, and provide support that way. Uh, so Marco Rossi, as you are probably well aware of, will be a first-round pick, um, possibly even a top 10. Jack Quinn, his uh, line mate in Ottawa, 6 feet, 176. Uh, he might be one of the more underrated players uh, in the draft, in my opinion. Uh, I think that, you know, this being his, his draft year and that he plays on, I think, Ottawa 67s were the number one ranked team in the CHL power rankings most recently released by the CHL. So you can imagine that they're a pretty deep team and that his ice time and deployment isn't as high as it would be if he played on a team like Kingston. So next year, when Ottawa 67s no doubt graduate a couple of players, his role will go up. So I think this is kind of a player who should be drafted um, maybe late in the first round, but absolutely no later than the second round. And then next season, when he goes back to junior with Ottawa and takes on a, a, a prominent offensive role with them, don't be surprised if this is a player who has an offensive outbreak in the you know in the hundred point ballpark. Um, so what that would mean for fantasy is this is a player that you can draft uh, later in your in your league, in your entry draft, um, potentially, depending on where he gets drafted in the NHL, because that's very influential. Uh, but let's say he gets, you know, a mid-second round pick. Uh, this is a player you might be able to pick up around then in your fantasy draft as well. 
and watch his value just take off. Uh, kind of like Connor McMichael. Um, so he's this year's Connor McMichael for me. Uh, Jean-Luc Foudy, um, I thought he was uh, easy to notice a lot. Uh, you know, he used his speed to his advantage. Uh, I question his positioning and, and his smarts and where he went sometimes without the puck, but uh, like I said, that's just one game. On defense for Team Red, Jamie Drysdale. Of course, he's outstanding. He's by far the best defenseman in the draft. Uh, don't need to talk about him. He had a He had a pretty good game, too showing off his uh, skating and puck handling abilities and his hockey IQ. Uh, one player I didn't really know anything about, and I liked what I saw, was Casper uh, Pudio, uh, Everett defenseman, 5'11", 180. He played a really physical game. He was, uh, he was hitting hard and skating very well. Uh, he has only 16 points in 35 games, so not super offensive defenseman. Um... And the guys I was sitting with, we were saying, oh, this game needs a fight. And one guy said, oh, Pudio, he should go. He's been hitting everyone. And the other guy, was like, the other guy who's familiar with players from the dub was like, no, 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 man, that's not that's not happening. So maybe not so outstanding as a bangers and mash uh, kind of prospect, but he's a player that I'd, quite frankly, never really heard of before this game. And uh, stood out to me on more than one occasion, on more than one shift, um, doing good things. So he's a player who... I will look into a little bit more and get back to you on. Uh, okay, so moving on from the top prospect game. Uh, before I do that, actually, let's uh, let's take a break and uh, go back to another interview. Uh, I had an opportunity to catch up with my good buddy Russ Cohen, and we talked a little bit about this game. And uh, Russ watches a lot of NHL and AHL and NCAA, so we talked about prospects and rookies from those leagues as well. So let's go to Russ. All right, I'm at the uh, CHL Top Prospect Game, joined by my good bud, Russ Cohen. Uh, Russ, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Good, good. Enjoying the game. I love these kind of games. You get to see these guys. They play pretty hard, too. Yeah, it's an all-star game, but it's a lot different from the NHL all-star game. They're all the top prospects from across the CHL. The house is full of scouts and GMs, so they have a lot to play for. Uh, is there any? It's the first intermission, so did you see anyone in the first period that you're like, hey, this guy's got it? You know, I, I'm a Marco Rossi fan. I know people have gone crazy about him lately, but I do like the way he gets the puck up the ice. He's pretty slick. The fact that he's like 5'8", 5'9", but you don't really notice that. It doesn't him. really matter, does he it? He plays bigger. No, he plays bigger, and I think like at the next level he will play bigger. So I think that's a guy. I mean, Lafreniere, you know, he had a great goal, but it was, you know, called a no goal because it was offsides, but it's still a great goal. It doesn't matter that it was called back. The right. shot was amazing and everyone saw it. And he did it in motion, and that's the thing. The release on his shot is so fast that, like, I think it's faster than Capo with the New York Rangers right now, you know, as an example. So that's something where that's, you know, when guys hit him in motion like that and he gets the shot off that quickly, that works in any league, man. Uh, so, in, in this game or outside of this game, who are some players you think that will have uh, a quick impact on fantasy hockey that will be coming up for the draft besides Lafreniere? He's the no-brainer. Yeah, I hope Byfield doesn't. I don't really want to see him get rushed. Uh, so, I, I don't think he will. You know, Drysdale would not shock me if, based on what we're seeing out of Noah Dobson now with the Islanders, I know he's a little older, but not much. And... Yep. You know, Dobson's really sort of picked it up. 
could there be a situation where Drysdale works in there with somebody? It might be because he really doesn't make mistakes. He's very confident. He makes smart passes. He's fast. And look at the way he worked up with Team Canada in the World Juniors. He started out as the seven. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's outrageous. Do you think it's harder for defensemen to come out of the draft and play in the NHL than it, it is for, say, a winger? It depends. Ask Brandon Carlo. I mean, he had Stano Chara to tutor him. If you've got somebody who could tutor you and could protect you on the ice, then sometimes it works out. Sometimes. Right, right. Uh, so let's, let's take a break away from uh, the draft-eligible players, and let's talk about some guys who are a little bit closer to the NHL. You uh, go to a lot of NHL games. Who are some uh, prospects who are uh, are getting a couple of glimpses with the Rangers and the Flyers who you see a lot of play that that you think might be fantasy relevant? Uh, Carson Twarinski for next year, I think there's a chance there's a spot for him to make the team. And I think he would be a guy that if you picked him in late rounds in a draft, that would help you. Uh, Joel Farabee, even though he only has 12 points this year, I kind of wish they would let him just stay in the AHL, but they won't. But I think next year he'll be more relevant point-wise. I think next year Morgan Frost will be relevant point-wise. And I might want to pick him like second, third round because I think he will put up points by next year. You know, Ranger-wise, I think next year will be a better year for Kako. I think he's really learning on the job and realizing he doesn't have as much open ice as he did before, before he came to North America. And so I think that's something where next year Kako, people might forget and you might be able to get him in like the second round. He's another guy that I think would really help. And I'm trying to think Ranger-wise, you know, like Andrew Miller's not ready. You saw that in the World Juniors. There was a little uh, hesitation once in a while. He had a couple turnovers. So I still think he needs time. You know, would it, would it be crazy that Niels Lindqvist gets a call up next year? I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, the Ranger defenseman that they mm-hmm. drafted. He looked really good in the World Juniors. He's playing. All Team Sweden defense looked yeah. very, very good. He's playing against men right now. You know, if you're in a league where you could get a guy who's not in the league, you know, you could just get a prospect that's out there in, in space, pick him up in your fifth or sixth round, something like that, bank him. Yeah, let's talk. Let's go back on Kako a bit. You were talking about him a second ago, and we were just talking about him in the in a break in play. And you were saying that his uh, he's not finding the time in space. You think that's something that will uh, he'll the coach out of his game maybe, or he'll figure it out? I think he'll figure it out. I think it's one of those things. Remember when when we were seeing some of these great highlights, or the Rangers were playing on MSG, or at the draft, they were mainly mainly plays where someone gave him a stretch pass. And he went the length of the ice, and then he beat the goalie down low. If he gets the puck down low, he could beat goalies. He's got great hands. But the problem is, even on the power play, if he's over to, like, the left hand, left side or the right side, when he gets that puck, his release isn't quick enough yet to always get it off before someone gets that active stick. The active stick now in the NHL is so hard to deal with. It's disruptive, right? That's It's not even, like, necessarily playing full defense anymore, but it's disrupting. And so for a young player, you disrupt them a little bit like that, it could throw off the game. Alright, so this is something you'll think it'll his game will come around. It will. He's uh, he's a good buy low, not a bust. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's a good buy low. Look, I think even Jack Hughes is probably a little bit of a buy low right now, but I expect him to have a really good year next year. And so that's something where, you know, if your league has sort of forgotten about Jack Hughes, don't forget about him because he's doing everything right he's not on a great team and he is figuring things out himself 
So a common thread you and I have talked about tonight and in this interview is um, players that are having a, a difficult time with the adjustment. We talked about Byfield and how he looked at the World Juniors and how you and I agree that maybe he's not quite NHL ready and being drafted by a team like Detroit who might send him back for another year of junior could be really good for his overall development and long-term future. As an average fan and a fantasy hockey guy, you're watching these prospects, you own these prospects. How do you know if the guy you own who's underperforming in his first year in a new league, whether it be in the AHL or the NHL or wherever, and he's not exceeding your expectations, how do you know if he's a bust or if you just need to give him some time? Well, I'll give you a good example. Like, I just wrote about Andre Svechnikov. Because most times in a second season, right, in that sophomore season, guys slump a little, right? But last year, he probably was a little underwhelming. I think he had, like, 18 goals, something like that. It's okay. But it's okay, right. But this year, he's way better than okay, right? And so you have to look at opportunity. Was he playing a lot of power play? Was he playing top power play? How many minutes a game was he playing? Who was he matching up against? Who was he playing with? A lot of that has changed now, and it's really helped his game. And now, you know, you could say he's a top 20 player in the league. Yep. All right. Yep. So the context. Watch the games. Watch the player. Yeah. Don't just look at the Quinn, stat line. Quinn Hughes is a good example, right? He played a little last year. Got some, got his feet wet. Looked pretty good doing it. This year started off okay. Now he's really sort of picked up steam, gotten hot. We all talked about Cam McCarr early, which was great, and we should have. But he got that little injury, and so it slowed him down just enough for Quinn Hughes to catch up a little bit point-wise. And so that's a guy where all of a sudden, if you had Quinn Hughes, you might have been like, mm, early on, yeah, it doesn't look so great. But, you know, now he's like, yeah. really, come on. Yeah, yeah, looking good. Um, all right, well, one last question for you just for fun. You've got the second overall pick in your fantasy draft. Lafreniere goes number one. Who do you take two? I'm still taking Byfield because I'll, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait like two years. I don't care. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm still going to take Byfield because he does have that blend of power and speed. I feel like he has this other gear. And when that is in motion, all of that by meeting size and skill, and he's coming at you, he's really hard to handle, man. Yeah, he is. I've seen him play live at least three times. This will be my fourth time this year. And, uh, you know, like I said to you a minute ago, uh, you watch him on TV, you see the size. You see the skill, he scores the goal between his legs, he makes nice passes and all that, but you you know, you know, always have that bias when big guys can't skate. I think that's one of the, the bigger strengths of his game is his skating ability. So you put the whole package together, there's a lot to like there. I mean, if you were asking me, and you didn't, but I'm going to answer it, who the biggest surprise is, like I always put out like a Calder rankings. Yeah. Alexander Texier, man, I know he's injured now, but you got to say, he's had a really good year. This kid played in France. Like, he was, like, you know, I want to say deep, you know, third-ranked in World Junior. Like, I think he was Division Three in that. Yeah. I mean, this guy, I mean, you got to give Yarmulke okay Galanin a lot of credit. This guy's fast. He has a great shot. And, he, you know, I know that team had a lot of opportunity because they lost players. But this guy can play. I mean, if you could get him in a league, I think next year he's going to have a really good year. I mean, very, very noticeable. A lot of good things happening in Columbus. Everyone had yes. them written off this year because they lost all their star players in the offseason and they've been ravaged by injuries and poor timekeeping. And Elvis has been unbelievable lately. Wow. Yeah, and yet they're still in contention. Their players, they've, they've got a lot of depth there. They're playing guys that aren't on a lot of people's fantasy radar that maybe should be. No, there's no question. 
and really they haven't really utilized Sonny Milano yet either. I'm a little biased, he's from my hometown, but kid's got a great shot and great wheels. So imagine if they could utilize him a little more. That's a team who's gonna be very active like at the trading deadline. So people fantasy-wise, you always wanna keep an eye out. Like on my own fantasy team, I have a guy like Andy Green, right? Not the greatest at the moment, but the Devils stink. Who's he gonna get traded to? Somebody who's in contention is gonna get him. And you never know if he gets him put in a position where all of a sudden he can get a few more points than he did in New Jersey. Guys, you gotta look where guys might get traded. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always a strategy. It's a bit of a gamble because you look at players who look like slam dunks to get traded, it doesn't always happen. Right. Yeah. All right. Anyways, that's good for now. Thanks very much for your time, Russ. We'll talk to you at the draft. All right, Peter. See ya. So thanks for listening to episode 79 of the DPR show. Thanks to Vitaly Abramov of the Ottawa Senators for giving me a few minutes to be a guest. Thank you to Russ Cohen from SiriusXM to come on and uh, be a guest as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you do enjoy listening to this podcast, please feel free to give me a review. Uh, give me a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. If you see an episode posted on Twitter, Go ahead and hit the like or the share button. Spread the love around. Um, I'll be doing another episode after a couple of games that I'm going to this weekend. So look for the next episode of the DPR show to come out early next week. And uh, till then, thanks for listening and keep your stick on the ice.